Merry Christmas, happy 2016, happy Kwanzaa, Martin Luther King Day, Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day, whatever. Uh, um, it's good to have y'all guys, man. I was excited when I'm when I'm gone from church for a week. I guess it's just it maybe because I'm the pastor. I don't know. I'm just like, man, this is. Got to get back in the saddle. Got to rub some oil on that saddle. But uh, so it's good to be back and just worship together. You know, I mean, I, I, I say this quite often, but I mean, why do we get together on Sundays? I mean, it's because, and this is what I believe, and this is why I believe is the heart of God, is that you can't experience God you can experience God in a, individually on your own, one-on-one with him, and have amazing encounters. But there is a unique experience that awaits you when you gather with people of like mind and like heart, one Savior, one Lord, one Spirit, one Father of them all. And so that's why, that's why God loves for his children to come together. I mean, Randall's here. He's got all his children are grown. He's probably, there's probably nothing he loves more than have all his kids back in the house. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, it's great when they come and meet with him one-on-one, but when they're all together, it's something different. Am I right, Randall? So, this, God feels the same way. He's just like, man, I got all my kids together. It's going to be good. And, uh, and so that's why it's important that we come to, and that we regularly get together to worship. First and foremost, is that's just we have a father that's good and worthy of worship. And, uh, you know, sometimes um, you can get, you can wonder, is like, why do we do church? Because, I mean, we can do church anywhere. We could do church in small groups. You can do church, spontaneous meetings. But why do we do the Sunday morning thing? Well, it's because we want to encounter God in a way that we can't really on our own or in another dynamic. And so when you're hungry for encounter, um, you typically, uh, you know, want these types of things, want these types of gatherings and stuff. And so, um, anyways, uh, so I, this morning, um, got Greg Goldcap preaching. I'm really excited about that. The, the Gregor, as he's, he's known by many names around here, uh, but uh, Greg, I just love Greg's heart for the Lord. Um, you know, he he fires me up and spurns me on and encourages me, and just his uh, passion and fire for the Lord is contagious. He's got a heart for the lost, um, but just has, uh, he's a man of the word. That's one of the things I love about Greg is just like the word comes out of him because he's, he's saturating himself in the word. And uh when you do that, it's good things are going to happen. God's going to get on you and in you. So, uh, Greg, come on up here, man, and uh, we'll pray for you. Just extend your hand towards Greg. Father, we thank you for Greg and just all that you've done in his life and all that you're doing, Father. We just bless him, Father, right now and just say, do your thing, Lord. Do your thing in and through Greg. And I just love the way that uh, you express yourself uniquely through all of your children. And uh, Greg is beautiful and handsome and precious and chosen in your sight, Father. And uh, I I just thank you for his life. And we bless him in the name of Jesus to say, we bless you, Greg. All right. done worshiping. Drake, thank you. 
for singing to God. When you're alone too, man, I don't even know where you are. Thank you. Um, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Spirit of God. Fill us, fill our minds and our ears, our nostrils, our lips, our tongues, Lord. Our hearts, Lord. God, let us be a temple that you can dwell in, that you can show your majesty in. Lord, let us be otherworldly. Let us be like your kingdom of heaven, Jesus. You brought the kingdom. Just ask that you would give us favor today. God, give me wisdom and courage and let the word become alive in us. It's in your name we pray this. Amen. <clears throat> so, Travis asked me to preach, and it was really cool what happened. So, what I'm going to talk about, I actually had a dream about it. It's really good for me to have confirmation, but Travis, last month in December, he was like, hey, get ready. I'm going to ask you to preach sometime in January. And so the day before he called me, I had a dream, and I had a dream I was preaching, and we were all outside, and it, I woke up, and I was like, man, what was I preaching on? And uh, God reminded me that I was preaching on love hopes all things, and so my message is love hopes all things. That works, man. <clears throat> um, so I'm really, I'm just thankful for the Lord, Jesus. Thankful for Jesus. Um, I'm going to get started using my slides. Lord, just do whatever you want. I don't have to use my slides. <laughs> so God, really, please. Whatever you want to do, Holy Spirit, you're alive, you're real. God, where is our hope without you? So, God, just be infinite, be all things to us. We just receive. And so, I just, I was praying um, right before New Year's Eve, and I was just asking God what, what this year is going to be about, and I just heard the word advancement. So, I believe that this year is going to be the, a year of advancement for his kingdom. His kingdom is going to come, and it's going to remain. Um, and I just really want to prepare my heart for an advancement of his kingdom in my life. Everything in me, I want, it to, I want the advancement of God, the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding. And then I want it to come in my family and in my friends and my community. And then to the lost that I get to walk by every day I'm on this earth. And so I'm just going to... I've got 1 Corinthians. So love hopes all things is kind of what I want to describe. And in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, I'm going to read it. If you, have, if you have the sword, you can take it out of its sheath. <laughs> and one thing I want to just like, when Travis was talking about the word, I, you know, during worship, I was just, contemplating on the word of God, and I don't know about y'all, but, you know, there's times when I sit down at my desk, and I have the Bible in front of me, and I just get overwhelmed. It, it's not even open, and I look at it and, it, and it's like Josiah, if you gave him a sword for Christmas, like the way he would look at it, and it's the same thing with the word. I, I, can, I will look at the Bible, and it's like I'm a little, I'm a child, and this is like the, this is the sword of God. This is what will defeat the enemy. This is what Jesus replied to the demons and the devil with. Like, this is the life. Like, he became flesh. The word in him became flesh. And this is, I get to look at this. This gets to lay in front of me. And it overwhelms me. And so I just want, like, when we take it out of its sheath and open it up and then, like, let it get into us. Like, that is the power of God. And so I believe, like, without the word, there's no power there's not power. And then without the resurrection of Jesus, there's no power. And so if you want, you can take out your sword. Um, 
1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Who is love? God is love. In 1 John 4, 8, it says that God is love. So I just want to do this. I want to take Jesus' name and I want to put it where it says love in this passage. So Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus does not envy or boast. Jesus is not arrogant or rude. Jesus does not insist on his own way. Jesus is not irritable or resentful. Jesus does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love, Jesus bears all things. Jesus believes all things. Jesus hopes all things. And Jesus endures all things. Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus, when Peter, when he knew Peter was going to reject him, Jesus still told him, I'm going to build my church on you, Peter. And Jesus doesn't envy or boast. And so before King Herod and Pontius Pilate, he didn't claim the power of God. He was quiet as he was led to the slaughter. And Jesus isn't arrogant or rude. He was always compassionate on people. Even the Pharisees, he showed his compassion. And Jesus didn't insist on his own way because he said, I've come to do my Father's will, not my own will. He said, I do not live on bread alone, but on the word of my Father. And he's not irritable or resentful. And so, you know, when he's walking through all the villages, constantly on the move, and people are tugging on his, on his robe, he's not irritable. He's not like, man, I don't have time for you. He stops. The Holy Spirit is in him, and he's always walking and, and with the Spirit of God. And, and Jesus, he doesn't rejoice at wrongdoings. When people were about to stone a woman of adultery, what did he tell the people? He said, if you haven't sinned, be the first to throw the stone. And then he... He was left there with the woman, and, and he explained to her and told her to go on without sinning. And he rejoices with the truth. And so, who is love? Jesus is love, and God is love. And whoever does not know love does not know God. In 2016, without knowing God, it, it might it's going to be a difficult year. But when we know the love of the Lord, we're filled with the knowledge of God. And the knowledge of God is ultimately his before the gifts before miracles it is love 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 is the power of god and love is the holy spirit and i just when we are filled with the knowledge of god we are filled with love and so reminder this is something i know y'all have heard before heidi baker says um love looks like something it's not cheap so all of this it's you know it's love is going to cost us something Real quick story on love costing me something. And this is, I mean, a week before Christmas, I went and saw my Uncle John. My Aunt Terry just passed away of cancer on Thanksgiving Day. My Uncle John is an alcoholic. He has a bottle of cheap plastic vodka in a back room in a paper bag that he goes to throughout the day and takes sips on. And my family's like disregarded him in a sense. And... um. I heard from another family member that he wanted to take his own life. And, like, that's not okay with me. Like, I don't take suicide lightly. And I heard that, and I was like, no, Lord, like, no. Like, I, I, my soul, my spirit, my heart was like, no, like, I'm not going to let the devil take what is the Lord's. And so I just really felt like I was supposed to go up there and spend a weekend with my Uncle John. So I went up with my Uncle John, and, I mean, I just spent time with him. I served him, cleaned his kitchen. It's just me and my Uncle John. He smoked cigars all day. Went to the cigar store, bought him cigars. And, you know, and I was just, I prayed with him. I shared with him the gospel. He's 76 years old, and somehow he hasn't heard the gospel. And so he was like, yeah, I grew up, you know, he told me, he's like, oh, I'm Catholic. And I was like, and I explained to him the gospel, and the gospel is a really easy message. Like, you can use whatever, I mean, it's a really teachable message. The gospel's easy. And so I just used the, the two thieves on the cross story and just was like, man, this guy demanded a sign. This guy acknowledged who Jesus was. 
And he was like, wow, I've never heard that before. And so I just got to encourage my uncle and like, I know leaving there that I gave him, I told him something that Bob Johnson, I think told us once. He's like, man, if God's not done with you, you're not dead. And I just kept telling my uncle all weekend. I was like, Uncle John, God's not done with you. Like, you're not dead. So God's not done with you. And so love, love does look like something. Um, and I guess this is one thing that really encouraged me. A while ago, Zakia told me a story about a missionary in, I, I guess it was Mozambique. And this guy, that, like the house, the toilet overflowed, so there was poop water everywhere. And he was like mopping up the poop water while singing worship songs. And it was like the people around him, it was, it, it messed it. I mean, it, it's, that's a messed up thing when you're like, what? This guy's wiping up poop water and he's praising God. And so like when I went, my family was like, man, you don't need to go there. He's an alcoholic. One of my aunts told me that my Uncle John's house smelled like poop. And when she told me that, I instantly was reminded of Zakia's story. I'm like, man, it doesn't matter. Like, it, that's not a big deal. And so, like, just hearing stories like that, man, they give us courage. And, like, the word gives us courage to do all things. And so, love, you, you might get dirty sometimes, but it's okay. And so there's a, that's not up there. Um, a new commandment for 2016. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's John 13, 34, and 35. And so the new commandment disarms us from the weapons of the world um, and gave us the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' death gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' love also displaces death and punishment. So I can literally stand up here and recognize the fact that my spirit is immortal. All day I can go through life now with the saving knowledge of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus is our dream come true. Jesus is my dream come true. And so I can literally, I'm immortal. That's, is that not salvation, saved from death? This is my favorite thing about the Lord. I love mathematical thinkers and thinkers that, that need logic and history to define things. And I love the law of the Lord. It, I love God's law. And what I love about God's law is he says that the wages of sin is death. And what I love even more is that that is why death could not hold Jesus down because he was sinless. Because if Jesus was sinless and death hold, held him down, it would have went against God's word, saying that the wages of sin is death. There's only one thing that brings death, and it is sin. And so I love that God stays true to his word and that there is power and resurrection over the, sin, the sinful life, and it is totally Jesus. And Man, that is salvation. All day, every day, today is the day of salvation. Right now, I'm saved. The, the body of Christ, man, we are saved. Saved from death, saved from the sin, saved from the punishment. And so I love that. Not only now am I saved, now Jesus says, new commandment. Love one another just as I have loved you. Just as I have loved you. We, the knowledge of God and his love allows us to love one another. We're secure in his resurrection. So this year I'm believing for the mighty advancement of the kingdom of God. And I believe that this will take place from love. I believe that God's kingdom will advance in his love. And to continue to hope despite the tribulations growing in the world. The persecutions growing in the world the brothers and sisters that have fallen away from the goodness of God, despite all that, love will bring the advancement of the kingdom of God completely and fully. If you want, you can turn to John, I'm going to read 1633. It's simple. He says, I have said these things to you 
that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart because I have overcome the world. There is completely and fully atrocities in the world right now. Tribulations are increasing. Um, and all creation groans for the revealing in the, of the sons and daughters of God. And I just love that I have this app on my phone, and it's called My Radar, and it has different layers of weather, and one of the layers is um, earthquakes. It's pretty impressive how many earthquakes happen all the time. And so just the other day, I was looking at all the earthquakes, and I was like, this is the, this is the trembling of creation, waiting and groaning for the return of the king and the revealing of the sons and daughters. And so, but there are growing tribulations, and I just want, to, Jesus says, but take heart. In King James Version, he says, but be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. This is joyful. God's salvation is joyful. And people, and just like the guy mopping up poop water, it's like, man, you are in like a mess right now, but you are worshiping. Worship brings the joy of the Lord. And I believe that love in us allows us to worship, and that love will bring the advancement of the kingdom of God this year. This year, next year, all of the years to come. Again, we're not done worshiping. We're not, just because Drake's off the guitar, like, man, no way. Like, worship is, worship is eternal. Brittany, Brittany said once that eternity starts when you believe in Jesus. And so I just love that. Like, our worship is, man... We're worshiping now. I'm going to worship eternally. And I'm so thankful that I have a reason to worship. It's because of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. It's because of the Father's great love for me that I even get to be here, that I even get to be a thought of God. And, I can, and he fills me with worship. That's something that Travis has told us so many times is our identity. You know, before we're a husband or a good friend or a father or a musician or a student or a painter or a barista or whatever, we're worshipers. That's before all things we're worshipers. That's, that's who God made us to be. And so I want to prepare you too, though, reading about the, the last times and if you look, 1 Timothy 4, 1, um, the NLT version says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. You prepare yourself for the falling away, but do not lose hope that there is, that they, people, there is always redemption and people can turn to the Lord. And so there's something funny about this scripture. During the holidays, me and I was at Brittany's parents' house, and we were watching this show called The Carbonero Effect. It's like this um, magic, candid camera show. And I realized, so this guy does real magic. And one of the tricks he played on this guy, he had a, did I say real magic? <laughs> anyway. So this, this guy, Carbonero is a guy's name, and he's with this dude, and it's this guy's first day on the job, and they're at a, a marina. And they're at a marina, I think, in a lake, and there was all these boats, and there was this uh, pontoon boat that they were cleaning. And so they're on the dock, pontoon boat's in its bay, there's boats next to it, and the Carbonero dude's like, hey, man, I've got this special wax that we need to put on this boat. And so he, like, puts the wax on the boat, and the guy has a pressure washer, and he's like, all right, you got to pressure wash the boat. But first, they, like, did it on this paddle, and the paddle shrunk. So, and the guy was, like, freaking out. He's like, what? And then he was like, oh. And then he turned around after the dude had already pressure washed the pontoon boat, and somehow the pontoon boat was a mini pontoon boat in the water. It was, like, this big. And the dude wasn't appalled at the fact that the boat just shrunk. He was worried about getting in trouble. He was like, oh my, like, we're going to get fired. Like, he was like, 
who's, but we got to call somebody. And I was just like, that is not the response that I would be flipping out over a boat shrinking. I would be losing it, man. I would be law. I mean, it would blow my mind. And so this, I was watching this show and these people's responses. I was like, dude. And then I'm reading this scripture. I'm like, they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Right now, people, they're like without the word and knowledge of God, it is really easy to follow anything. Anything that, the, anything that comes. And so I just really want y'all to be encouraged. God is for us. The world may be against us, but his word is alive and active. And it will divide between things of the spirit and things of the flesh, bone and marrow. It will remind us that we are more than flesh and blood, that we are a spirit and sons and daughters of the holy God. That is what the word does. And so, and, but the word also highlights things like this. And it's okay to read the hard stuff and meditate on the hard stuff. And to be active in God's advancement of his kingdom. So hope means to wait for salvation with joy and full confidence. The Greek word is elpizo. To wait for salvation with joy and full confidence. I believe the people that will fall away, people that aren't even believing right now, they're like, man, I've heard this whole Jesus is coming back, man. It's January 3rd, 2016. Hope to wait. Hope loves all things. It also waits for all of the promises of God. He's already given us the biggest promise, the, fulfill, the fulfillment of prophecy in Jesus, the fulfillment of the sacrifice of the one who, who doesn't have amazing looks and who would be led quietly to the slaughter. Like the fulfill, That is a promise that's been fulfilled. We stand on that promise and we wait for the promises to come. God's kingdom comes in a man's heart before it is revealed on Mount Zion. One thing, when we were worshiping today, I was just had this vision of the kingdom of God. And if you read in Revelation, it talks about the details of the temple of Zion and the walls. And it's amazing. And it talks about the new Jerusalem and the cornerstone being Jesus. And then the 12 foundations of the wall are all 12 different stones, all with the names of the faithful disciples on them. And I just love that. That's what the new temple will be in Revelation. Um, but right now, just a reminder of the new covenant and the new promise that we are God's temple. Like we are totally God's temple. Like who else? God is going to dwell in us. It says that even heaven cannot hold his glory that it spills over onto earth. And so when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about my, me being a temple. I'm like basically transplanting the new blueprint of Jerusalem in the new kingdom and, and making myself and, and thinking that that is who I am right now. If God says that I am a temple of his, of his spirit. And, and then I was thinking about the foundations of the 12 disciples. And I was thinking about the word and how their faith has given me a foundation that I get to read from, and then ultimately Jesus being a cornerstone. And so God's kingdom comes in a man's heart before it is revealed on Mount Zion. One of my favorite things is I've literally seen a dead man come to life. Right here. Right here. I, I'm not like, you know, the guy, what is his name in Mexico? Ho, David Hogan's seen, you know, 500 plus you know, people come back to life. Heidi Baker, I was looking at the other day, she had a picture somewhere and she was dancing with a guy who was dead previously. I was like, man, wh how is this not on like NBC? And what, like what? But before we see dead people come to life, you will see yourself come to life. And so I, I the resurrection life is in me. I'm no longer the old Greg. No longer, like the old has passed, behold, the new has come. And I stand here before you as a new man. I'm a new man. Today is the day of salvation. His mercies are new and alive every day. Like this is today, I am a new creation in you, Jesus. Every day. God, thank you.
just like Sapresa says, thank you, Abba Father. Thank you, Spirit of God. Thank you, Jesus. And so Luke 17, verses 20 and 21, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Midst in the Greek is entos, and it means within, inside, within your soul. Um, that's a reminder that the kingdom of God will come in us. And I just believe when we hope all things, we're, we're truly rooted and grounded and abiding in love and the advancement of God's kingdom comes. But it starts right here in me, in you, in us, in the bride, in the glory of his children, the glory of the wisdom and the saving knowledge of God. Like the world, again, the tribulations are increasing. And I just believe that just because population's been increasing. And the, the fight isn't against flesh and blood. I, I've done that. That only creates more division and more fighting. I've, that's not, I've walked around with armor and bullets, and that's not a fight that God is calling us to. Flesh and blood is not our enemy. I just want to remind us all. Like the, and so when you're hoping all things, you have to hope through and past the flesh and blood. Because the real enemy is not people. The real enemy is Satan and his demons de deceiving people and so the kingdom of God is in in the midst of us right now I believe it and so love hopes all things um I've got to just look at this real quick okay what you put your hope in you praise so what you put your hope in you praise so there is an element of you know, some UGA fans are putting some hope in this Georgia team next year. And so we're, you know, we're going to praise that we can win a championship. But, man, that's like nothing compared to, like, what happens when you put your hope in God and the praise that develops from putting your hope in God. And so sometimes this is what's going to have to happen, just like David in Psalm 42.5. He speaks to his soul. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Sometimes it's necessary for us to preach to ourselves. In your mirror, in front of your mirror, in the, in the car, it's okay to preach to yourselves. Because sometimes our soul can be downcast and quieted. But my soul, I don't want to be quiet. Especially when I'm putting my hope in the Lord and praising him, there's no time to be silent. Not right now. Now there is a time to be quiet, but... And so David is even, he's saying, why, he's like asking, why are you downcast, O my soul? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. And so sometimes it is necessary to preach to yourself diligently and forcefully. And so the other day I was driving home from work. This was like right, this was last week. And it was raining. And the spirit of God came in the car and I began to worship and I started thinking about God's judgment and him judging me justly and the spirit inside of me started crying out my spirits never cried this out before but my spirit started crying out that God would judge me justly that nothing would go behind his eye not that it could not that it would just like when you're playing basketball on the courts and like you foul something like dude dude I fouled you I fouled you before he even calls it out you like call yourself out and I was asking God to judge me justly I was saying I was crying out that the Lord would judge me justly and I was yelling that it turned into weeping because what I realized is that that just judgment fell on Jesus not on me and I'm my spirit is crying out for the torture and sacrifice of Jesus and so my soul just began weeping it's just like the wine, like it's bitter and sweet. But man, how sweet is salvation? How sweet is the goodness of God and his promises that we can stand on this and watch the world do what it wants to do, but I can stand still and not be moved. 
on the word of God, on my brothers and sisters that encourage me, that remind me who I am and what the promises of God are. That's why I need brothers and sisters. That's why we don't worship on Sundays all in our living rooms with our families because our family goes past like the blood family because we do have a family in the blood of Christ. And like, this is what it is. This is who it looks like right here. These faces, all of us. It's okay to preach to yourself. I encourage you to do it. And it's powerful. And otherwise, all day long, the media will shove unbelief down our throats. That's what Reinhard Bonnke says. That's not my quote. All day long, media shoves unbelief down our throats. Who do we have to turn to? Who has answered us so mercifully? And so I want to talk about what hope looks like and use an Old Testament story that Brittany read a couple weeks ago. And I just feel like it's totally, it's such a blessing and it shows what the hope of God is. And so this story is, has two accounts. One account is written in 2 Kings. The other account is in Isaiah 36 and 37. But I'm going to read from 2 Kings. And if you turn, it starts in 2 Kings 18. So who is King Hezekiah? This story is about Hezekiah. It's about God's people. It's about the enemy. And it's about God's response to the enemy. Um, and so 2 Kings 18 verses 1 through 8 shows who Hezekiah is. So I'm just going to read it. Um, if, you, if you want, you can unsheath your sword again. Second Kings 18, 1 through 8. In the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abby, the daughter of Zechariah, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. He removed the high places, and he broke the pillars and cut down the Asherah poles, and he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made, for until those days the people of Israel had made offerings to it. It was called Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him. Wherever he went, he prospered. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and would not serve him. He struck down the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory, from watchtower to fortified city. So that's just a quick background on who Hezekiah is. And so if you look, the king of Assyria, in verse 13, his name is Sennacherib. He sent his spokesman, which is the Rab Shaka. The Rab Shaka is just a high military official of the Assyrian army. So he sent the Rab Shaka. It doesn't, I think it has his name in another version, but the ESV, it says Rab Shaka. And... He sent the Rab Shaka to go speak to King Hezekiah. And so this was the message from the king of Assyria to King Hezekiah. If you look verses 19 through 35 in chapter 18, it says, And the Rab Shaka said to them, Say to Hezekiah, Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, On what do you rest this trust of yours? Do you think that mere words are strategy and power for war? In whom do you now trust that you have rebelled against me? Real quick, um, the king of Assyria had already taken some of the outlying cities in Judea. So he was already encroaching on Jerusalem and Israel. And so obviously there's some, there's some pushback. Do you think that mere words are strategy for power and, war, for, and power for war? In whom do you now trust that you have rebelled against me? Behold, you are trusting now in Egypt, that broken reed of a staff which will pierce the hand of a man who leans on it. Another quick background. Egypt and Israel had a really loose relationship. And Egypt 
in their relationship, Egypt would protect Israel if they needed to. And so this guy is mocking the unity that Israel has with Egypt. And he says, behold, you are trusting now in Egypt, that broken reed of a staff, which will pierce the hand of any man who leans on it. Such is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who trust in him. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and altars Hezekiah has removed, saying to Judah and to Jerusalem, you shall worship me before this altar in Jerusalem. So now he's mocking what Hezekiah did. Hezekiah removed the Asherah poles and the serpent that Moses put because people started worshiping that rather than worshiping God. And so now he's twisting stuff. Who does this remind you of? Satan, all day long, loves to twist things. And so he's twisting something that is, and I'm just going to keep reading. It's making me mad. <laughs> Behold, you are not trusting in Egypt. All right, verse 22. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not those he whose, highs, he whose high places and altars Hezekiah has removed, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem? Come now, make a wager with my master, the king of Assyria. I will give you 2,000 horses if you are able on your part to set riders on them. How then can you repulse a single captain among the least of my master's servants when you trust in Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? Moreover, is it without the Lord that I have come up against this place to destroy it? The Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. That's complete blasphemy. He's, this is like total blasphemy right here. And it takes the wisdom of God to understand what, what he's really saying. And it takes us to know this word to interpret our times. I believe knowing this word will allow us to interpret our times. Even like, and I'm not saying just times internationally and nationally. I'm talking about times right now that we're having within the midst of our like families, friends, communities. And so I'm going to keep reading. Then Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, and Shebna and Joah said to Rob, the Rob Shaka. So these three guys that he just named are Israelites. Please speak to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it. Do not speak to us in the language of Judah within the hearing of the people who are on the wall. So this guy's come into Judea, and he's speaking in Hebrew. So all of the townspeople, they're hearing what he's saying, and they're saying, man, talk, speak to us in Aramaic so that these people don't have to hear what you're saying. But the Rab Shaka said to them, Has my master sent me to speak these words to your master and to you, and not to the men sitting on the wall who are doomed with you to eat their own dung and to drink their own urine? Then the Rabshakeh stood and called out in a loud voice in the language of Judah. Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you out of my hand. Do not let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord by saying, the Lord will surely deliver us, and this city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to the Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, Make your peace with me and come out to me. Then each one of you will eat of his own vine and each of his own fig tree. And each one of you will drink the water of his own cistern until I come and take you away to a land like your own, a land of grain and wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honey that you may live and not die. And do not listen to Hezekiah when he misleads you by saying the Lord will deliver us. Has any of the gods of the nations ever delivered his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath? And Arpad, where are the gods of Sepharvaim, Hena, and Eva? Have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Whom among all the gods of the lands have delivered their lands out of my hand? That the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand. So he's completely mocking King Hezekiah. As I'm reading this, I'm like, I'm seeing what Satan did in the garden. Eat of this fruit, and you will have the knowledge of good and evil. He's saying the same thing. Come and take our bribes and we'll put you in a good land. Satan's going to continue his deceiving ways. But oh, the power of God's word and Jesus and the Holy Spirit in us. And the joy of worshiping 
I will not fight with a sword of iron and bronze. And I will not pull a trigger that will discharge lead. I will fight with my love for God, simply. In his word, that is the new covenant, that you love one another as you love yourself and as you love me. I want the kingdom of God to advance heavily upon this earth that I may have more and more increase of brothers and sisters, that the holy worship would be even more marvelous. So the king of Assyria uses a man to speak for him, and he completely mocks Hezekiah, which y'all heard who Hezekiah was. And so this is Hezekiah's response. In 2 Kings 19... Verses 14 through 19. This is what Hezekiah does. So, quick background. The Rob Shaka came one more time and mocked him some more. I didn't feel like I needed to read that because it's just the same mocking. So Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, You are the God, you alone. Of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of the Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste to the nations in their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they were destroyed. So now, O Lord, O God, save us, please, from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. I don't know, you know, we were talking about Jessica had a vision of heavenly beings around us. They're real. And right here, Hezekiah reminds God who he is. He says, O Lord, the God of Israel enthroned above the cherubim. The cherubim shows up in Genesis 3. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but after Adam and Eve eat the fruit, God sends a cherubim, which is an angelic being, in front of the tree of life with a sword that swishes all ways constantly forever. This, that's who we have fighting with us and for us. Ultimately, Jesus, but this is the 12 legions that he could have called for on the day of atonement, going to the cross, could have called 12 legions of angels. That's over 80,000 angels if you do the math and look at what a legion is. God's army is, it's good to hope in. Um, and so Hezekiah's response, I love Hezekiah's response. He just takes it. He just totally gets blasted by the enemy. And what does he do? He just takes it. He has it written on a scroll, lays the scroll out and prays. And it's like, man, that's what we, that's what, that's our response, man. Like when you see the enemy doing stuff in your life and your in people's lives around you, lay it before the God, before God, just lay it down before him, give it to him. Say, God, you are bigger than this. And I love that. Like Hezekiah literally does that. He lays the scroll of this message out. What's cool, too, is Hezekiah, I love that he doesn't just go to men either, that he trusts and believes in hearing and that God listens enough to just go before God. And I just really love the purity and that that's pure worship and that's, that's wholeheartedly seeking the Lord. And I just see that in Hezekiah and it just gives me a lot of courage and just even more trust. I mean, God is the same God of the Old Testament that he is of the New Testament. And so this is God's response in verses 35 through 37. This is a quick, this is God's mercy. And that night, this is after Hezekiah prayed. And that night, the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185,000 men of the camp of the Assyrians. And when people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. The Sennacherib king of Assyria departed and went home and lived at Nineveh. 
And as he was worshiping in the house of Nisroch, his god, Adramelech and Sherezer, his sons, struck him down with the sword and escaped into the land of Ararat. And Ershadon, his son, reigned in his place. So his own sons killed him. After 185,000 Assyrian troops were destroyed. And so this is, I know this is Taylor's favorite verse, or one of them. In Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Love, when you hope all things, man, it creates such a stillness inside of you. When you just hope on the Lord, and God will fight for us. It reminds me a while back, like when I first turned to the Lord completely and turned from the sickness of sin. Um, I read Radical, David Platt's book, and I love in that book, David Platt talks about a story of a guy who was in New Guinea. I'm pretty sure it was in New Guinea or it might have been like Eastern Timor. It was one of the islands, and uh, he was living in a in a village, and there was a witch doctor, and um, the witch, this guy was sharing the gospel with the village, and this witch doctor was getting really upset because obviously the gospel has power, and so people were turning to the gospel and turning away from the powers of the witch doctor ultimately makes this guy mad, the witch doctor mad. This dude is living in a tent, the missionary, the witch doctor. This is in the book Radical, which I love because like, I, I just love that. Um, and this witch doctor comes up to the man's tent and he's like wanting to fight. He's like, come out so I can fight you. And the missionary actually knows like mixed martial arts, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, like he could totally annihilate this dude. So he takes a chair out of his tent, brings it out in front of his tent, sits down in the chair and speaks out to the man, I let God do my fighting for me. And the guy started gasping for breath. The tribe is around. The man starts choking and gasping for breath and drops dead. And for me, I'm like, oh, my gosh, man. That's like, that is, I don't like when people die necessarily. Like, that's not, but, man, like, and I just love that, like, be still and let the Lord do your fighting. Exodus 14, 14. This is back in Moses' day, but God is still fighting in our day. And I just, man, that is, that's just like really good news. And like when you guys, when we hope all things for others, that is the power of the gospel. To see through flesh and blood and to see through like minor details that look really dark in the moment. But like God is like, he will illuminate the darkness. I, God's never seen darkness. How can he? If he's radiating constantly. It talks about how bright he actually is in Revelation. I think it says like six or eight times the brightness of the sun. We're like thousands of miles away from the sun, and the sun you can't even look at. The glory of God is so real and so worthy of worship. And so I just want to end with love hopes all things. And so I want to read this. This is from a commentary on what love hopes all things is. And so it's just simple. It says, hopes for the accomplishment of all the promises of God, hopes for the enjoyment of him in his house and under his laws. This must also refer to the conduct of others. And it means that however dark may be appearances, how much others are actuated by improper motives, yet that there is a hope, that matters may be explained to them and be made clear, that the lies are made to vanish, and that the conduct of others may be made to be godly. Love will hold on to this hope until all possibility of such as a result has been vanished. This hope will extend to all things, to words and actions and plans, to public and private contact, to what is said and done in our own presence and to what is said and done in our absence. Love will do this because it delights in the victory of the cross. And so love, love truly hopes all things. So that's like something that you can ask your heart, like, man, am I hoping that this is like in God's hands? Am I hoping that this nasty situation will turn to the good of God? And that's like, that's true love. I love covering the sins of others 
so that, that may, they may feel the love of Christ. It's no greater friend than this that he would lay his own life down for us. And it's like, man, we're called to be such great friends to God that we would lay our own lives down. We would not have to defend ourselves. We would not have to become prideful in a situation, but that we can be humble and we can just hope the things of God's glory. And so I'm gonna pray. I'm just gonna pray over us. Maybe I'll just listen just for a moment. Could, could you stand up with me? Just. Father, our joy is rooted in you. The joy of the Lord is our strength. temple is filled with goodness. Lord, that even you, Jesus, marveled at man, man with faith. Lord, how deeply we want you to marvel at us. God, that the world would know your victory. Jesus, that you would come over us, Lord, and you would be our God and our God alone. Lord, I pray for a heavenly advance of your kingdom in this earth. And God, that you would use us for that, that you would give us assignments. And Holy Spirit, God, that we would, we would listen in the quiet place with you. God, that we would have no fear and that love would allow us to hope all things all the glory of you, God, all the promises fulfilled, Lord, whether now or tomorrow. And our faith may be steadfast. God, make us simple people. God, explode. God, your joy and your fulfillment in us, Lord, that God, we would experience the resurrection life and power over death, and it would be constant, Lord. Lord, I pray for our families and our friends, for our nations, your nations, the seas, the men on the seas, and the men in the land, Lord. God, that you would take your love you would manifest it through the Holy Spirit and through the faith of the saints. God, we, we stand among saints. Lord, you stay true to us. Lord, fill us up completely that we may not boast in works, but we may boast in the Lord Jesus of Nazareth, Bethlehem, Galilee, Jesus of Jerusalem, Jesus of America, Jesus of this planet, Jesus, Jesus of the throne. Lord, hide us and cover us. We thank you. Another year to experience your mercy to see fruit, to have seeds to sow and ground to tread on. Lord, direct our footsteps and our path and light it up one day, one step at a time, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your justice and your righteousness, that your judgment 
falls not on us. What glorious deed, Jesus, you have made known to us. So we receive you and we pray for the increase of your love 